Hi, welcome to episode 25 of The Witcher chapter by chapter book review, where I'll go through a summary of what happened in the latest chapter and then give my detailed thoughts on it. Today I'll be discussing chapter four, chapter four, it's that chapter from Time of Contempt. A quick announcement before I get started with the chapter. I am now streaming on Twitch. So if you have any interest in checking that out, uh, I'm going to have the link in the description. So that goes for YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcast. Uh, You can find that there if you would like to join. And if not, I'm actually going to start uploading the recordings to my YouTube channel. So if you are an Apple podcast or Spotify listener, uh, you can find my YouTube channel under the same name that I'm under on those platforms. So it's everywhere. I'm under Sam fiction and fantasy fun. So yeah, be sure to check that out if you're interested and look out for those videos on YouTube if you can't catch me on Twitch. But I am going to be playing games like The Witcher. I'm currently on The Witcher 1. And that's pretty, it's pretty interesting. It's an old game. And you know, if you're listening to this, you're a Witcher fan. And then I'm playing another Witcher game. I'm playing Thronebreaker. That one's pretty cool so far. Uh, it's, there's definitely a learning curve there that I'm trying to get used to, but yeah, I'm getting it figured out. I'll I'll be an expert <laughs> in no time. Uh, and then I'm also playing, as of right now, at the time of this recording, those are the games I'm playing, plus Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is a, it's a really good one. I'm so excited to be playing that game right now. So yeah, that sounds good to you. Be sure to click on that link. But let's talk about the chapter now, because this chapter is crazy. It's crazy. Things are popping off. The crap has hit the fan. So before I dive into what happens, I'm going to give you the recap in case you need that refresher, like I always do. So let's do that. And then I'll give you the summary of the crazy chapter. So last episode covered the mage's banquet preceding the conclave of wizards. Geralt accompanied Yennefer, who we learned is now a member of the council. We also get to witness his conversations with the likes of Dijkstra, who accurately predicts that Vigilforts will have a long conversation with the Witcher, Philippa, who says she'll give Geralt Ryan's tomorrow, and other familiar and not-so-familiar faces. When Geralt speaks with Vigilforts later, the exceptional sorcerer proposes that Geralt join his side in a fight for life and death, and if not, Ciri's life will be in danger. Yann assures Geralt that Ciri will be safe in Aretuza and that tomorrow will answer many questions and solve many problems. That it does. Well, <laughs> I don't know if it solves problems, but it, it answers a lot of questions. Okay, so here is what happens in Chapter 4 of Time of Contempt. Geralt stumbles upon the midst of a coup in Thaned. Philippa and the other sorcerers who advised the Northern Kings, like Triss, Kira, Sabrina, and Radcliffe, have planned a coup against the traitor mages who have been colluding with Nilfgaard, like Faircart, Terranova, Francesca, and of course, Vigilforts. Knew he was up to something. <laughs> Aside from the deaths of Lydia Van Bredevoort and Head God in Methanolna. I don't think I'm saying it right, but uh, the guy who was the oldest living sorcerer. Not anymore. Uh, Aside from their deaths, all seemed to be going to plan until Tessiah, who chose not to believe the chapter members were working with Amir, 
used a spell to break the magic barrier in Garstang, freeing the handcuffed mages, who then released the Scoia'tael, Reince, and Cahir from the cellar into the hall, and a battle ensued with plenty of casualties and wounded. Really quick, Cahir is the Nilfgaardian knight from series Nightmares. So we got a name on this guy now. So uh, the Nilfgaardian knight from the Nightmares, <laughs> uh, he will... Uh, for now on be referred to as Kahir. Siri, who was brought to Garstang by Yennefer to use her medium mystic abilities and announced to all that King Visimir's been assassinated and the aggression against Nilfgaard in Dol Angra indeed took place, had to escape Kahir, Ryans, and some of the Scoia'tael chasing her. She doesn't get too far before Kahir almost catches her, but she refuses to be captured by the knight who has haunted her dreams for so long and she attacks him, almost killing him. She enters Tor Lara, where Geralt tries to go after her, until he is approached by Vigilforts, who proves himself a more than worthy adversary for the Witcher, and beats him within an inch of his life, and then takes off after Ciri into the tower. Somehow, Tor Lara gets destroyed, so Ciri's survival is currently unknown. Triss, with the reluctant assistance of Desaya, Portals Geralt to Broccolon, where the Dryads and Mystical Waters heal him. And that is how it ends. It's just left like that. It's absolutely crazy. I, I say this sometimes, 100%. If you are not reading along or if you haven't read the books, maybe this is just like a supplemental thing. Like, you know the story, but you, you're not really a reader, which I get. A lot of people aren't. Uh, read this chapter. Definitely. Like, buy this book. If you don't own any of the books and you want to get any of them, get Time of Contempt in so that you can read chapter three and four. That's my recommendation, at least. Like, based on how I like these books, I I highly recommend reading chapter three and chapter four because chapter three is super entertaining with the banquet. Chapter four is just crazy. Like, it's just, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> so we'll talk about the craziness here in a moment, but I do want to take it from the top, start with the things that we learned, the events that took place at the beginning of the chapter. So there's a couple of things that I want to discuss before we get into the coup. So the first thing is, and this is very brief, this one, um, Geralt and Ciri's reunion. So they had their reunion a couple chapters back in Herondom. And we didn't really find out exactly how that went. It's like they were reunited there. They went to Thanad together and were in Loxia before the banquet. And last chapter, we kind of very briefly got Geralt's perspective on it. It just said that he whiled away the day talking to Ciri, like while Yen was looking for a dress for the banquet. So it sounds, I mean, very brief. You don't really get a lot of context there, but it sounded like it was fine. It didn't, sound, it didn't seem like uh, there was anything negative about it. But then we get Ciri's perspective in this chapter. And she thought that their reunion filled her with sadness and disappointment. And that fills me with sadness and disappointment. My goodness. She was so looking forward to seeing him for a while. They had been apart for a pretty decent amount of time. She couldn't wait to see him again. Like, she took off and almost got killed just so she could go see him. And, yeah, it wasn't a good reunion. And she realized that it was because he was very tense and insincere because he was very distracted by his reunion with Yennefer. And that's understandable. Like, I can, I can see that. I can, I can definitely see how that would happen. 
I can understand why he would be distracted by that. But it just sucks. It's just such a, it was such a bummer to read that. So, yeah, I'm not going to talk too much about that. There's not really a whole lot to say. I just wanted to point that out because that was a, a huge bummer. And I, I, I don't know when they're going to see each other again. Hopefully soon. Hopefully we find out what's going on with Siri, where she is soon. And I'll talk about the details on what happened with her uh, in a little bit. But yeah, it's just... Uh, that's kind of like the way that things were left off with them, like before all the craziness happened, but they didn't really see each other too much during the coup. Again, I'll, I'll get there. Next thing I wanted to talk about before we get to the coup was Codringer and Fen. So from them, we get some revelations about the whole elder blood thing. That's been extremely cryptic up to this point. And we still really don't learn a lot. And I do want to take everything we learn with a grain of salt because I mean, there could be a lot more to it. I'm sure there is because it's just, it's not really, not too much is uncovered, but some stuff. So they are saying that Siri is the ancestor of this Falca. And Falca has actually been briefly mentioned in a few of the past chapters. Uh, They talk about Falca's rebellion and they never speak about her in a nice way. They always talk about her in a very negative light. Um, I know that she was burned at the stake as like a you know punishment for her rebellion and i think a lot of people died like there's i think there was a war if i'm remembering what they said about her correctly uh but yeah falco didn't seem like to like she was a very good person and according to codringer and i'm not sure the significance on this just yet but there's definitely got to be some significance here i just don't know like the ins and outs but Falca's mother apparently was cursed by Lara Doran, who was the elven sage we learned about in the last chapter. She was the one that had this tragic love with this sorcerer. And uh, yeah, not that's, that's another thing. Like not a lot of details are disclosed, but uh, that was another point that was uh, talked about here with Codringer and Fen. And there is this prophecy that says, from Falca's blood will be born an Avenger who will destroy the world and build a new one. So Codringer believes that Ciri's son is going to be this Avenger. And I see where he's going with this. So if Ciri is captured and married to Amir, Emperor Amir of Nilfgaard, then her child with him will be the Avenger. And Amir is basically already trying to destroy the old world, not the entire world, but he's trying to conquer all these northern kingdoms. And even Dandelion says back in the uh, Something More story says that it's a war of destruction. And he's trying to you know, build a new one. But his country, Nilfgaard, move, you know, expand it and uh, create something completely new. So, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Like, that does fit. I, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's got to be a lot of parts around what they're talking about here that we still don't know but it's something it it's more context than we've gotten so far so uh, on this otherwise very cryptic topic so Codringer was about to get involved in the whole thing with Siri and he was going to have her kidnapped he was actually about to send men to Thaned to go get her I don't know what the next steps in his plan were after he was going to get her but he wanted to have her kidnapped and I know he was planning on getting a big payout from it. I don't know who he was going to sell her to. That's why I said I don't know the next steps because and he could have sold her to any of the northern leaders. He could have sold her to Amir. 
given her right over to Ryan's. I don't know. I don't think he would have given her to Ryan's, but it's neither here nor there because these men who claim to serve Ryan's, I guess also vehicle forts, we know that for sure now, uh, they show up actually right after he announces this and they kill Codringer and Fenn. So yeah, they're dead now. Uh, don't feel bad for Codringer. He, I mean, after what he was just talking about, how can you? I, I guess I do feel bad for Fenn. I mean, they set the man on fire. <laughs> I, I don't, uh, I, I think I honestly would even feel bad for Codringer if they set him on fire. Fenn didn't seem like a bad guy. I mean, their whole business seemed pretty sketchy and like they, they were probably working with a lot of bad people. They were probably helping out a lot of bad people. So I'm, I'm sure it's not a tragic loss, but still the man had no legs and they set him on fire. Like if either of those two were to get set on fire, it should have been Codringer. He got out easy. He just got stabbed. So that was pretty, that was pretty messed up. But yeah, they're dead. Uh, and then the guys who are there working for Ryan's and Vigelfort's, they now have additional information on Siri because they had all this information laid out and they took it with them. They also took a miniature of a fair-haired girl, which I, I'm guessing is maybe a picture of Siri, but it could also be that picture that they had um, of that girl that they were offering Geralt to hand over to, I think it was going to be the Northerners. I don't think it would have been Nilfgaard, but they were going to hand her over and try to pass her off as Siri as a decoy. And then uh, the real Siri could, you know, get on with her life because they would have thought that they had Siri. Uh, so it could have been her too. I'm not sure, but it was noted. So I wanted to note it here. All right, let's get into the coup. The crazy, crazy coup. So, it starts, or it starts from the reader's perspective when Geralt gets out of bed to relieve himself and his medallion vibrates, this medallion that he wears around his neck, it vibrates when there's magic or monsters nearby. And he hears shouting, so he goes to investigate what's going on. So he enters a room and in this room is Dijkstra, Kira, and Redanian soldiers, and they have Terra Nova and they handcuff him with these dimeridium handcuffs. And the wearer of dimeridium, just so you know, cannot perform magic. So that's pretty important here that they're locking up everybody in these dimeridium handcuffs, all the traitors. So Dijkstra brings Geralt to Philippa because I mean, he's he's seen what's going on. That he's not going to just be like, oh, like go go back to what you were doing. He's going to bring it, bring him to Philippa so that they can make a decision on what they should do with Geralt. And on the way, he informs Geralt about the coup, like what's going on, gives him some more details. And that they're doing it because some of the mages are in cahoots with Nilfgaard. So they get to Philippa. Sabrina, Radcliffe, and Triss are also present in the room. Triss is tending to Lydia, who is, she's been stabbed at this point. She tried to attack them. And I guess they were defending themselves and they stabbed her. Uh, It was, I think, a very chaotic moment. Um, We weren't present for it, but the way it was described, it seemed like it just all happened so fast. And they didn't want to kill her. Like they didn't want any casualties at all. (laughs) That really doesn't work out. But um, yeah, Triss is tending to her, but she's already dead. So rip Lydia. Tosiah shows up into the room. Like they're in there and they're talking and they're upset about Lydia. And Tosiah shows up and she expresses her contempt for Philippa and the others because she doesn't believe that the traitors are in fact traitors. She thinks that 
the uh, the people staging the coup, Philippa and the rest, are um, they're, they're they're incorrect about this. So she is very disgusted. Um, they also bring in Francesca while they're there talking, and Francesca's handcuffed, and Tsai gets very angry about this too. So they all go to Garstang. But um, before they do this, Philippa and Dijkstra are talking and she has Dijkstra take Geralt to Loxia and she tells Geralt that she's going to come back for him later. I guess to give him rights, like she promised at the banquet. I think that was what her plan was, to come back for him later. But then on the way to Loxia, Dijkstra tells Geralt he's going to take Ciri to Vizimir, but he needs Geralt to be the one to request her from Margarita. So she's in Margarita's care right now. But Dijkstra can't go ask for Siri. I mean, I think the only people that she would give her away to is Geralt and Yennefer. So this is when Geralt attacks Dijkstra and then the Redanian soldiers are around. So they start trying to attack Geralt for attacking Dijkstra and he's fighting back and he actually grabs Dijkstra by the foot and breaks his ankle. Not saying he didn't deserve it, but that was really hard to read every time I read this chapter. Oh, I hated reading that part. That was, ugh. That that was pretty gross. He he deserved it, and I I get it. I totally understand Gerald's motives there. It's just it was still gross. Uh, so now it's very important that Gerald does not get captured by the Redanians. Like by no means can Dijkstra's men get a hold of him, because he will for sure be executed by them. Uh, so at this point, Dandelion has actually already arrived and he comes to tell Geralt that Ciri is no longer in her room. Geralt's not surprised by this. And he also brings Geralt his sword. He brings Ciri's sword too by accident. He doesn't know, um, that it's Ciri's. And, uh, Geralt takes off towards Garstang because he still doesn't know what's going on with Yennefer. And now Ciri's missing. So yeah, he's got to, um, see if he can find Yennefer and Ciri and get them away from all the drama. So on the way there, he learns a little bit about what happened in Garstang in the palace from a sorcerer who serves a neutral king. His name is Carduin. And uh, he actually also during this moment, he runs into Dorgaray, who was like fleeing from the palace. And Dorgaray actually gets shot by a Scoyatel arrow. And uh, Marty Sodergren shows up and she's trying to heal Dorgaray, but... Um, I don't know if she was successful in that. I have a feeling she probably wasn't. I know that those Scoia'tael arrows are especially deadly because they, um, there's like something that they do, like they go in and they like twist or I forget how it works, but uh, she was trying to heal him. I don't know if she was able to do so. And plus there were a lot more other Scoia'tael running around. So, I mean, she could have gotten shot while she was trying to heal him, but Geralt takes off before uh, he finds out if Dora Gray is going to be okay or not. But yeah, Dora Gray might be on the list of casualties. So he ends up learning the full story. He only learns a little bit from this guy, Carduin. But he ends up learning the full story from Kira Metz, who actually lands on Geralt after Terranova threw her out of a window. So Kira is very badly injured. And this is when we, the reader, get to learn a lot of the details of what happened. So to Saya, because she didn't believe that anyone was actually working for Nilfgaard, she used spell to lift the anti-magic blockade in Garstang, which was actually a really big deal because the person who put that blockade there, it took them a year to do it. 
And she was able to lift that, get everybody out of their dimeridium handcuffs. And she did it like just in one simple spell. Well, simple for her, I guess. Like Kira even said that she'd never seen anything like it in her life. So that was a pretty big deal that she was even able to do that. So she does that and everybody's released. The Scoia'tael, Ryan's, Kahir, they're released. And then all hell breaks loose. So Tessiah doesn't think that they're with Nilfgaard. She thinks that they're just against the Northern King. So this was her reasoning for doing what she did. She's not working with Nilfgaard herself. She doesn't think that the traitors are doing what they're doing. So she thinks that uh, like Francesca, for example, is going to be very against the Northern leaders right now because they're waging a war against the non-humans and Francesca is an elf. So she's clearly going to have a problem with that. And then she thinks that, um, Tessia thinks that Vigilvortz and Faircard and Terra Nova are you know, just basically the same thing. Like they're humans. They're not elves or dwarves or halflings or anything, but she thinks that they're just not about what the Northern leaders have been doing lately. And that's, the only thing that's going on with them and that the other mages like Philippa and them are so against them because they are so loyal to their kings that they advise, which, I mean, I could see where she got there because it's, I think that's been a, a long issue, like a, like an ongoing problem with the brotherhood is that a lot of these sorcerers, are more loyal or seeming seemingly more loyal to their kings, their rulers, than they are to the Brotherhood. And the Brotherhood is supposed to come first when you're in it. So yeah, I see how she got there. But I mean, she's wrong though. And it's surprising. It really is surprising that Tessiah could be so wrong about this because I'm pretty sure now that the one dude, Hen, I'm not gonna try to say his last name again, his first name is Hen. Uh, now that he's dead, I'm pretty sure Tessia is now the oldest living mage. She's very old and she's like an arc mage, an arc sorceress. So she can do a lot of things that a lot of people can't. She's been around for so long. Like you would think that she wouldn't be this naive. Like I said, I get how she got there, but why was she so adamant to believe what she believed, to not see the truth of the matter? Uh, <laughs> Philippa argues with her that uh, they are with Nilfgaard because Amir, and like, this is how we find out what exactly their motivation is, like Vigilforts and the rest. Um, Amir has promised Vigilforts to, that he will be able to govern the Northern lands after he helps Nor Nilfgaard um, conquer them. And then he's also going to give the elves their own land. They're going to have their own free state, their own country, which they pretty much currently don't have. Uh, and it's only getting worse for the elves that do get to live in the regular societies. So that is what their motivation is. And we also learned during this time, as uh, I guess it's supposed to be like Kira is telling the story to Geralt and we're just seeing it from the perspective of somebody that was present. But uh, this is where we also learn about Ciri's trance and what she announced to everyone. So in chapter one of this book, the messenger, his name is Applegat, he was the one that we basically followed a lot of the chapter. We got to see it from what he was seeing. He was supposed to deliver a verbal message from Vizimir. It was 
technically given to him from Dijkstra, but it was it was from Vizimir, from King Vizimir of Rodania, to Demavend of Edirn, to call off this stage provocation in Dolangra. The messenger got shot and killed by Skoyatel on the way to delivering the message to Demavend. So that message never got delivered. And therefore, Demavend and also Meave, the queen of Lyria, they went through with it. I think that maybe Demavend was going to pass the message along to Meave afterwards. It was never said, but I'm just guessing that's what it was because, yeah, Lyria was involved in it too. So now Edern and Lyria have come across as the aggressors. And Nilfgaard, they were ready for this. There was a, there's a whole betrayal. They were ready for this to happen. They are within their rights to retaliate because they're not the ones that broke the peace. And they did. They have already retaliated. They are waging war and attacking Edern and Lyria. So the war has finally kicked off. I feel like something was going to have to happen. Like, if it didn't go down this way, there was, like, Amir was going to figure out how he could get the war going again. You know, he didn't accomplish what he wanted with the first war. He had every intention of getting the war started up again. It's just, it, it was only a matter of time. It just, it sucks for the Northern leaders that it happened this way. And I don't think it's going to go too well for, um, Edern and Lyria because, I mean, they, they're supposed to have their allies. And the whole thing with the war was that if Nilfgaard were to come back, then at least this time, like Temeria, Edern, Lyria, um, Kedwin, am I forgetting one? I feel like I'm... Redania. Um, they were all going to be allied and it would have been easier for them to defend themselves. But I don't think that Redania and Cadwin and Tamaria were ready for this, because as far as they were as far as they were concerned, this wasn't supposed to happen when it did. So, yeah, not looking good for them. But I'm sure we'll get some follow up in the upcoming chapters. All right. Well, Siri was in this trance in Garstang right before everything happened, like right before all the shit hit the fan. And um, she's got to get out. So Yennefer sends her on her way. She's scared. There's a lot of chaos. She was just totally out of it. She's basically like waking up from sleep. So she tries to run away and Ryan's and some Squiatel almost get her. But she manages to escape them, which is great. But then... Terra Nova actually gets a hold of her. And then luckily, Philippa is in her owl form nearby and she uh, claws his eyes out. And then Geralt shows up and just kills him. So Geralt sends Siri off. He gives her her sword and then he tells her to run just like Enever. <laughs> he sends her off on her own. I don't really, I don't know why that honestly kind of bothered me. I really wish that they both didn't do that. They both didn't send her away on her own. But they do, and uh, I was thinking that maybe Geralt was going to hold off, like, some Squiatel or something, but, yeah, I'm not sure. It, it, it still upsets me a little bit that they both sent her off on her own. But, yeah, so they, uh, Geralt tells her to run. She does, and then Kahir almost gets her. But she 
absolutely loses her mind on this man. And she attacks him and she's actually just about to kill him. But uh, his helmet gets knocked off and then she sees him for who he really is. You know, just this ordinary young man. He's not like this uh, scary phantom knight from her nightmares, like what he appeared to be when she first saw him. So she doesn't kill him. Uh, She leaves him there. And then for some reason, instead of heading to Loxia, which I think she was going to go to Loxia and maybe try to find Dandelion and then get out of Thanet altogether with him, uh, hopefully meet up with Geralt and Yennefer later, given that they survive, uh, she goes into the Tower of Gulls, into Torlara. And Geralt sees this. He sees her take off there. So he tries to follow her. And this is when Vigilforts approaches him. So before the fight starts between those two, Vigilforts tells him that he isn't Amir's tool, but vice versa. So Amir apparently doesn't know it. I'd be very surprised if he did and was okay with it. But uh, apparently um, Vigilforts is using Amir. And I am inclined to believe him. (laughs) After what we saw in this chapter, yeah, I... I wouldn't put it past him for a second. I think that Amir probably only wants Siri for political reasons. But Vigilforts has already been investigating the whole Child of the Elder Blood thing. So I think he's using Amir so that he could get his hands on Siri. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong. And it, there, there would probably be more to it than that. But I think there could be something there. He even says that although Codringer and Fenner are dead... Their work and ideas are still alive. And they were researching the Child of the Elder Blood stuff. So that is pretty intriguing. Uh, I will be keeping my eye out for any other little indication. Because that's, for the most part, that's all we get. We just get like little hints at things here and there. And we were getting a lot of hints about vehicle forts. And... You know, I've, I've been theorizing about it up till now. And I mean, it was pretty obvious that he was up to no good. But for a while, I was thinking, yeah, maybe they're just trying to make us think that Vigilforts is a bad guy. Maybe they're trying to make us think this just so that way there's a huge twist and it's somebody else that's doing bad stuff and Vigilforts is actually a good guy. But no, that's, that's not how it went down. So... He offers Geralt the chance to join his side once again, and obviously Geralt refuses. And then this is when he gets whooped. So yeah, Geralt probably would have died if it wasn't for Triss. So good job, Triss Marigold. Uh, She tries to save him. She's dragging his body (laughs) around, and she finds Tessiah. So Tessiah advises Triss to just teleport away because the portal in the Tower of Gulls along with the tower has been destroyed and you can now teleport in and out of Thanet if you want because before then you couldn't it would mess up your portal somehow and that's how we know that Siri might be dead she was in that tower don't know though but yeah Triss can't do it she can't create a portal because she is too weak in this moment. So Josiah helps her and they get Geralt to Broccolon where we know that he is there. He is recovering because there was a one moment when 
the fight was happening with him and Vigelfortz where he was it was basically like him thinking from the future and it says that he's in Broccolon and uh it's, he was basically he was thinking um, like he was, he was trying to go over the fight in his head and figure out what it was that he did wrong. And then he realized that the only thing he did wrong was doing was getting into the fight in the first place because there was just no way he was going to win. Vigelfort is next level. Like, I don't think next level is even a good way to describe it. He is Geralt has finally met his match. I mean, we've seen him totally annihilate like groups of men of like professional assassins professional killers so this guy there there was just no way he was going to beat him so i don't know when it comes to other mages though how Geralt would be able to handle himself because that made me think about that obviously vigilforce is very proficient he's like one of the younger mages but he was a member of the chapter Everybody respects his opinion. Well, I mean, maybe not so much anymore. But whenever he made a decision, that was basically what they were going to move forward with, no matter what other like dissenting opinions there might have been. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like when it comes to fighting, like like I was thinking about, <laughs> what if Geralt were to get into a fight to the death with like Triss? Because we know that Triss is. I mean, I'm sure she's a fine mage, but it's been said that Yennefer is more powerful than she is. So, like, if he were to get into a fight with somebody that had, like, the skill level, like, the magical skill level of Triss, I can't imagine why Geralt would ever get into an actual fight with Triss. So, let's just pretend somebody else, another mage that has the same level as Triss, if he were to get into a fight with them, would he be able to take them on? I mean, I know Geralt can kill monsters, he can kill groups of men, you know, like one versus five, but could he kill an ordinary mage? Like, was there no chance at all of him beating anybody that is a sorcerer or... What is Vigelfort's just completely impossible because Vigelfort's is just crazy. I don't know. I was very curious about that. We almost got to see him fight a mage back um in the A Shard of Ice story, the um the guy Istrid, Yennefer's former lover, but that ended up not happening. And he wasn't even gonna use magic anyway. He was actually gonna use a weapon to fight Geralt. So uh, I don't know, but yeah, let me know your thoughts on that. I'm very interested to see if maybe someday he'll fight another mage, but yeah, don't know. So I've got my closing thoughts here. The first thing that came to mind was that we finally know what Amir's orders to Kahir were that was left on a cliffhanger. He was about to give Amir, I mean, Amir was about to give Kahir <laughs> some orders and then it kind of just cut off. Uh, so yeah, now we know what that was about, but Kahir might be dead. Um, Geralt said that he probably bled out, and if Kahir did in fact survive somehow, well, he's probably going to die soon anyway, because I imagine he'll be executed, because he, well, I, hmm, <laughs> now that I'm saying this, I think I, I'm, I'm realizing, for all we know, they did get Ciri. Nilfgaard might actually have their hands on Ciri right now. Uh, the tower was destroyed, but Vigelfort's maybe got her and then got out. And then the tower somehow got destroyed after they got out. I don't know. But 
yeah, if Vagal Forts got Siri, I can I can imagine that Kahir, who's also on the side of Nilfgaard, would be executed. But if they didn't get her, yeah, I'm sure he'll get executed. <laughs> so, I mean, we don't know him. We don't have any reason to like him. So, I mean, not a big deal. But it's interesting. All right, well, what happened to Yennefer? I haven't really talked about her this whole time. Not, I mean, I have a little bit, but not that much. Did she die? Did she escape? Was she injured? No idea. No idea where Yennefer is, if she's even alive. I'm also curious about what she knew going into this day. She definitely had to know something, but was she informed about the coup? Had she already known about the traitors? I don't think she was involved in the coup. Like, I don't think that she was a, a member of it. Like, I don't think that they were including her in their plans because Kira and Detmold, Detmold is one of the mages, um, they said that they didn't know about where Yennefer stands. So if they didn't know, then there's no way that she could have been involved, but she might have had some knowledge of it. Uh, and she's also, she's a member of the council. She's a very powerful sorceress. So yeah, that's why I think that she had to have been aware of something. Just don't know the extent to her knowledge. Yennefer is very mysterious when you think about it. She is, um, she, she's around a decent amount, but we don't really get her perspective on things. It's like whenever she's around, it's usually like Siri or Geralt. It's somebody else's perspective or Dandelion. Uh, that one time. So a, a lot of the stuff that goes on with her, like, like we don't know what her thought process is a lot of the time. So yeah, it, it it's understandable that we would have no clue what she knew at this point. But yeah, I do believe she knew at least a little bit of something minimum. Uh, and plus, she also brought Siri along so that she could prophecy for it for everybody. So that was something. And speaking of Siri, uh, what happened to her? Did she get killed in the tower? Vehicle Ford's get her. Did one of the people serving the northern rulers get her? Uh, Dijkstra said that he wanted to bring her to Vizimir. I mean, I know Vizimir is now dead, but I mean, there were the other northern rulers that were interested in capturing her. They wanted her dead. Uh, according to Dijkstra, they no longer want that because she is, I guess they discover that she's worth more in the coming war alive. But yeah, for all we know, somebody else could have captured her and brought her to, like, full test or Hensel. So, I really don't have a good feeling about Siri or her fate. I think that whatever happened to her, it's probably very bad. I hope she's alive. I mean, at least that would, if she's captured, I mean, obviously I hope she's alive. But if she's captured, that would give Geralt the chance to try and save her. Hopefully he recovers quickly so that he can figure out where she is and rescue her and they could be reunited and have a proper reunion this time. Yeah, it's not good. Next thing I was thinking about was the chapter in the council. They no longer exist. So the world is heavily influenced by the chapter in the council. So that could have a pretty big impact on especially a war torn north. So we'll see how that plays out in the upcoming chapters. And then the war. Yeah, it's happening. It's popped off. Not good. 
Not good indeed. Okay, uh, that's all I have for you. So just to remind you, I am streaming on Twitch. If you want to check that out, the uh, link is in the description. And um, if you did not know, if you've only ever listened to this on one platform, you can find this podcast on YouTube with video, Spotify and Apple Podcasts with just the audio. Thank you so much for joining and I will catch you all in the next episode.